welcome to the filmpulse.net podcast this is episode number 108 my name is adam and we have a special south by southwest 2014 show lined up for you today with special guests lee janiak the director of honeymoon and travis stevens producer of starry eyes so let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation thank you both so much for taking some time to come on the show now now i do want to talk about each of your films in just a bit but first i was just wondering have you both recuperated from the festival are you you doing okay Um, I think I'm doing okay. I'm very happy to be back in LA. Austin was amazing. Um, I had never been to Texas before, but I think as Travis will speak to, it's, it's, um, it's a very intense environment, lots of beer, <laughs> lots of meat. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm happy to decompress for a few days. Now, when, when, Lee, when did you get back, uh, from back, the festival? I flew early Friday morning. I think I had like a 7.45 flight, so... Okay. Yeah, that's that's when I got back as well. Travis, when did you leave the festival? I, I'm not sure. I haven't <laughs> fully got my bearings. And it's tough because it's like, especially if you're going to a lot of the midnight screenings, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're not getting out of there until 2, 2.30, depending on the Q&A. And then, you know, heaven forbid you actually, you know, talk to somebody after the movie for a while and you start getting home at, you know, whatever, 3.30, yep. 4 in the morning and... Then you're up the next day for whatever screenings or breakfast or whatever, and just you know, two or three days in, you just you're shell shocked, and, and yeah. the only way to keep going is to just have one more beer, so at least you're you know, even keel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got back um, uh, at the end of the end of the week and dove into the next project. So <laughs> yeah, so still going. I uh, this is this is our second year there, and I brought Ryan with me who Lee you know he's in a wheelchair yeah. so pushing him around you know in throughout like especially like 6th street can be an absolute <laughs> nightmare I, that's crazy i know yeah. it's so needless to say uh i was completely dead inside and outside <laughs> emotionally but your, your calves and your, your calves and your glutes are really well defined oh yeah now, so, oh yeah yeah there's that benefit absolutely so let's just jump right into the movies. Um, sure. Lee, I think we'll start it with you. Okay. Um, maybe let's just kind of make it like a like a round table type thing. Maybe talk about some highlights. I'm not going to press you guys on anything that maybe you didn't like. Sure. Uh, but feel free to talk about some stuff that you weren't too thrilled with as well. So I mean, you know, for me, I I went into the festival just as a filmmaker and just kind of interested in supporting other filmmakers. So I didn't go in as kind of like an angry audience member as, you know, sometimes I am here in LA when I'm going to the Arclight. It's a very different experience. Like I really just wanted to see everyone else's visions, different point of views, and kind of just really have fun. Um, so I don't even think that there was anything that stood out negatively to me. Um, I, like like Travis, I mostly saw um, midnight movies. So I saw Starry Eyes. Um, I saw Among the Living. I saw The Guests. Um, I'm trying to think what else I saw home mm-hmm. and I saw Oculus. Those, I think those are the ones I caught. I think I missed late phases exists and 13 sins. I think, am I missing anything else? Is there anything else in there? Um, I think I missed the other, those because they were generally playing right up against honeymoon. So, yeah. Um, and I think that one of the things that struck me, I, again, is that 
there were a lot of similar, like shared themes between the movies. Mm -hmm. um, but again, with very, very different point of view. So it was pretty, like I saw Starry as the night after we premiered and it was, it was awesome because the guys just did crazy. Like there, I think one of the first things I said to Dennis and Kevin after the screening was the makeup effects that they have are, are awesome. Mm, uh, absolutely. And, and they're dealing with a lot of the same kind of body horror stuff that I deal with in Honeymoon. Um, but in a really, I think, more external way in that, like, you know, um, their characters are living in very much entrenched in society and what society expects of, of people and their bodies. And, and in, in Honeymoon, it's just a lot more internal and really between two people. So that was just pretty, pretty amazing for me to see. Um, I loved the way that L.A. was portrayed. It felt like it didn't have that like sheen that you usually see mm -hmm. in movies. Um, someone in the Q&A, I think, mentioned um, Mulholland Drive, which I think was an interesting comparison. And definitely you felt that kind of Lynchian grotesqueness. So that was the interesting part of, um, of Starry Eyes for me is because we were dealing with similar things, but in very different worlds. So that was interesting. Among the Living, I found shockingly violent in a great way. I'm a big fan of Martyrs, which um, Pascal Logier directed. Mm -hmm. And um, you can, the movies are not similar really at all, but that kind of French ultraviolence that they both share was awesome. I loved, it felt like a Spielberg movie for a lot of it. Um, and then the opposite of a Spielberg movie yeah. for the rest of it. Nick McCarthy's Home. I thought, it, you know, that it's such a weird thing. Like home is not exactly the kind of movie that I would generally seek out in the theaters because, you know, just like this idea of the devil and, and all that, it's just not like something that I gravitate thematically generally. But after I saw it the next morning, I could not stop thinking about it. And the movie just kind of floats with you in this really unsettling way. And I think part of it is there's like kind of a non-traditional narrative that's happening in the way that the the structure kind of shifts from character to character. So I just, I really ended up loving that movie a lot more than I would have just expected for myself just as a, you know, moviegoer going into it. And I just, his point of view was so specific that I just, I really liked it. Um, and then the guest was just really, really fun. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think what else. Oculus, Jesus, they had some amazing the light bulb apple moment. I don't want to spoiler alert anyone. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some fucking great moments in that movie. So I don't know. I just had a really good time. I thought that everything was just so, so different and cool. So yeah. Um, just to step back a little bit to just touch on among the living, it's the same directors that did inside, which is like one of my all time, like favorite French horror films. I just, I love that movie. And I, I did like Among the Living. I thought that I could have used some more of the whole Stand By Me stuff and sure. a little bit less of the slasher stuff, especially near near the, like, in the final act, I thought. Yeah. It got a little bit kind of cheesy towards the end, uh, but I don't want to give anything away. No, um, yeah. I, but I, I agree that the, the strengths of that movie is the, the relationship with the boys. And yeah, the and I wanted more of that. Amazing. Um, and you know, balance wise, he obviously tipped a little more to the violence and the gore at the end. But um, and I think that that's honestly just a, an audience preference. Like some people will want more of more of that. And some people want more of the actual like relationship between the dudes. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Home, which uh, I was a big fan of his last movie, uh, Nicholas McCarthy, uh, The Pact. Sure. I was a big fan of that. Uh, but 
home for me was was probably the weakest of all the the midnight movies that I saw. Oh, well, no, always got to be one for someone. No, it's, it's just <laughs> I, I don't know. I just uh, you couldn't I, get you didn't get into it. It was just it felt too typical to me. Mm-hmm. Like there were too many kind of cheap jump scares in there, and a lot of it didn't make sense to me. Like okay, why was this demon hiding in the cupboard? Like, why was he hanging out there in the cupboard? I don't get it. (laughs) But Fair, fair. I mean, it's definitely more than just like a generic straight-to-DVD movie or something like that, for sure. Sure. Uh, Travis, what what were some uh, highlights for you this year? I think, you know, I'd agree the the Midnighters, it it was nice. It feels like we're really in a time right now where, where people are able to use genre films to, to sort of explore uh, more interesting themes than just the, you know, monster or, or, you know, whatever method of killing people. So I thought it was a really uh, great uh, midnight lineup with, with a, a lot of variety. You know, I, th- I mean, I, I told Lee this at the festival, but I just, uh, I think the honeymoon in that, that first 45 minutes is some of the most masterful, sort of dissection of uh trust in a relationship that that i've seen kind of like uh in a similar way to like uh you know antichrist uh sort of sort of dissects Mm -hmm. a relationship it's just uh it's just phenomenal so that was a great way to start the festival so so all that those films were fine i think my my personal and it's probably just a just a taste thing because i live in horror so much i really i liked a lot of the docs a lot uh, so I think my, my favorite film of the fest was um, a movie called Wicker Kittens, mm. which is that's uh, the jigsaw puzzle one, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's cool. it's just it's like a simple concept uh, of of just this local regional um, annual jigsaw competition, and the uh, <laughs> filmmakers just had a great you know they selected a great uh, cast of characters. Uh, some of them who are self-aware at how ridiculous being a, uh, going for a jigsaw puzzle assembly championship is and other people blissfully unaware of how ridiculous that is. <laughs> um, so, if, yeah, if you guys get a chance to see that, it was, it was a, a lot of fun. Um, I saw Print the Legend, which was a, a doc on the uh, sort of evolution of uh, 3D printers. Mm-hmm. And, oh, cool. Yeah, and there's a... There's a really good sort of, um, I don't know, a villain sort of story that emerges in that that, that's kind of interesting about how something that uh, was created as an open source movement where everybody's sharing the programs and everybody's trying to push the technology forward all of a sudden gets uh, uh, monetized and and, um, the the sort of the competition that that comes out of that. Uh, And then what was another one? Oh, and then uh, Legend of Shorty, which is... uh, Mm -hmm. A documentary about the uh, looking for the drug cartel uh, El Chapo, El oh. cartel leader El Chapo, which you know was just kind of crazy because uh, apparently two weeks before the the premiere, uh, the U.S. government supposedly finally captured him and and brought him uh, to justice. But the film uh, makes a point that they could have grabbed him whenever they wanted, and the only reason why they did is because the movie was going to come out. Yeah. So that was that was the really interesting thing about that film was that basically the whole documentary is the filmmakers actually trying to find this guy and just showing how easy it was for them to locate him. 
and, yeah. and it's it's kind of funny and the way like the tone of that documentary was done in such a way where it's it's almost comedic like very darkly comedic you know they're playing kind of funny songs but at the same time they're showing people you know that were murdered by this this guy and yeah that was one of my favorite docs of the festival yeah i mean it's just i mean that's it it's just so i don't know if if the filmmakers are cynical but it just feels so cynical where Mm -hmm. it's like they just again and again are saying uh we as filmmakers don't understand why we're being told that this is the most wanted guy in the world public enemy number one and within whatever it was two weeks or three weeks you know we're we're having a meeting with his second in command right you know and and it's just it just points out it's like the whole thing's a sham and everybody's making so much money off of this right and you know it just was you know it was a kind of amazing now one of my favorite movies of the festival was the mule have you guys seen this angus sampson's the mule I have not. Uh, this was dying too. Yeah, this was definitely one of the surprises for me because, you know, when you read the synopsis, it's like, okay, it's about a guy who has drugs in his stomach and tries to not use the bathroom for a week. And it's like, okay, what can you what can you do with that? But it was it was crazy how uh, he and Lee Wanell made this this really gripping crime story out of this really kind of ridiculous concept. And I thought it was just, that was fantastic. Another kind of horror movie, well, definitely a horror movie, Stage Fright. Did you guys see that one? The, I did not, and I'm musical. pretty bad about it. <laughs> so normally with musicals, and especially horror musicals, I'm definitely not on board, but uh-huh. I was incredibly surprised at how fun this this movie was i i really enjoyed it and i think that that comes out on video on demand relatively soon so yeah i think that i think that that i think it comes out maybe in just a couple of weeks because i yeah. it was also it was one of the ones that was against honeymoon one night and then there was like an 11 a.m showing and i didn't rally to yeah. get there so i feel like <laughs> that was the one I, I saw the 11 a.m like i'm not a giant like rocky horror picture fan or but i do like it and um, same thing as like Little Shop of Horrors. I like that as well. I think it'll just be, it's one of those things that I think I'll really enjoy watching for sure. But it's not, you know, I would never make a musical because first of all, I have no talent musically. But. <laughs> <laughs> now, normally a lot of people talk about themes throughout different film festivals. And I was wondering if you guys noticed any kind of themes uh, that were happening in this year's festival. You know, a lot of a lot of people ask me that various like you know press stuff. Um, I don't know that I noticed. From again, I really just saw the midnight movies, so it's hard to for me to speak of the festival you know at large. But um, I don't know that I saw like a specific theme kind of emerge. I, again, we were there were similar kind of overlapping worlds. Mm-hmm. Like I think there was overlapping body horror, but trying to from what I can tell say very different things with that kind of disintegration of body. And then, um, you know, there's a bit of like demon stuff happening as well, but I, I don't know. I, nothing really like stuck out to me. I was pleasantly surprised by the diversity of the slate, but I don't know, maybe I'm missing something. Um, I noticed that there were three movies that revolved around time travel in some way or another, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. There was the infinite man, which is a, an Australian comedy 
Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed that one quite a bit. It was just kind of a low budget. It was almost like uh, Primer, if Primer was a comedy. Right. (laughs) And a love story. Right. So I I thought that that one was really interesting. And then uh, Predestination, which was the one with Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah. I want to see that. That that had some really interesting ideas in it. Um, And then another one, which isn't necessarily time travel, more like the Groundhog Day uh, type of time travel, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, premature, right? Premature, yeah. yeah. Which I wasn't that into that one either, but <laughs> raunchy teen sex comedies are really not my forte. So yeah. I also noticed that there were a lot of uh, movies that revolved around like poverty, uh, a lot of kind of lower class uh, mm-hmm. focused movies, like Surviving Cliffside, which was a really interesting documentary about mm-hmm. this little town in West Virginia. And, of course, uh, David Gordon Green's Joe, which I think right. also took place in West Virginia. But, yeah, I didn't see any kind of, like, broad themes throughout right. the festival this year. Um, Travis, yeah. have you seen any other uh, maybe non-horror movies that stuck out to you? I don't think so. Uh, in my life, definitely not. At the <laughs> festival, it's hard to... <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean it, that's the thing. It's like you're 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 you consume so many movies in such a short amount of time there that um, it's hard to sort of process uh, afterwards. I think there's there's even a movie I saw that I forgot I saw until I read a review about it, and halfway through the review, I was like, oh, "Wait, I saw this movie." Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, and it's such an expansive festival that it you know with so many titles, it's hard to sort of. It, 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 extrapolated you know the themes at least for from what i saw but yeah again i think on the the midnighters it certainly seems like there's more interesting filmmakers working in that space right now so even a movie that on the on the surface seems just sort of uh, you know a clever concept like like late phases uh in this sort of blind man versus werewolves uh even that has something a little bit you know a little more substance to it as far as um, exploring what it means to get old and family and stuff like that. So that's actually like a really good point. I mean, what Travis brings up and I didn't see late phases, but I think it applies to the other ones too. I think that, I mean, and one of the reasons that I like genre to begin with is that you can do these crazy, really highly entertaining things and often involves violence and blood and et cetera. But you're, you can also explore, explore other themes without it becoming necessarily you know, a drama. And I, I wonder how we can get other audiences into understanding that, you know, there's, it's not just about scares all the time. It certainly can be. And that's amazing. But, you know, getting breaking through past that midnight audience. And what I noticed with this year's lineup, uh, the Midnighters, at least, is that there were a lot more kind of slow burn horror movies. Now, Honeymoon, I consider it to be a slow burn. You know, it's sure. it's it starts off as one thing, and then there's this kind of slow downward spiral. This with this relationship just crumbling because of this transformation that's taking place. And the same, I think, the same can be said about Starry Eyes too, where you know it starts off as you know, this this girl just trying to make it in Hollywood, and then this thing slowly starts to happen. Among the Living, I, I would also consider to be that where it starts off slow and then slowly ramps up and then eventually explodes into madness. And um, I, I like that. I welcome that style because I think that that's something 
as far as that genre goes, we've been getting away from that. And I think that it's important that we get back to that because it makes it so much more impactful when something does happen. Sure. And I think that, uh, that was, uh, that was interesting. And what I'm wondering, uh, maybe this could be best directed towards you, Travis, since you're a producer, it seems like, like you said, with the midnight movies, it seems like all the risks are being thrown into those types of movies. And I don't mean to like say that is like a big generalization because I know there's exceptions, but uh, what do you think it is about genre films where they seem to be the most risky? Is it is it that they're like most financially viable or what do you think that the reason is for that? Yeah, I mean, I guess <clears throat> on one hand, they're, they're less risky actually because there's a at least for the financiers and the distributors, there's a, there's a more consistent um, business formula there. So you can, you can go into it knowing if I make an X, you know, unless it's totally awful, chances are I'm going to make Y and it makes it easier for somebody to write you a check for X because it's in, in sort of horror. And because I think there's so many you know horror movies that were made, I think, part of the reason why things are getting interesting now is that in order to stand out, filmmakers have to push things more. They have to, they have to bring a little bit more to the table than just uh, five kids in a van getting lost out in the woods. Another one that we didn't, I don't think we talked about was open windows, Nacho Vigalondo's latest. Have, have you, did you guys, were you able to check that one out? I did. Uh, so that was kind of uh, an interesting one. I was wondering what your, what did, what did you think of that and how the the device that he used in presenting that movie? Well, for me, okay, so full disclosure, I actually ended up walking into that movie late, like maybe 20 minutes late, so I can't completely, like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't think it's fair that I didn't see the full movie. Um, but I thought it was actually, you know, I was very kind of suspect of a movie that rides on, like that kind of idea, like it's all going to be on this computer screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised by that device. Like I felt, I felt that he made that part of it work in a way that I could have never imagined. Like it was more um, dynamic than I thought it would be. Um, I thought it would get a bit repetitive and just, I'm just basically just talking about like the, the, um, the, the computer device. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I thought that he, he dealt with that in a way that, Visually, I did not get bored, where I thought I would have gotten bored extremely quickly. Um, and so beyond that, like whether or not everything connected, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like how many cameras were places, like there's obviously going to be questions regarding that. But um, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised with the, with the format of the film. I haven't written a review for that one yet because um, I'm extremely behind, but um, I <laughs> You know, I, I agree it, that I think it did work better than what I expected. Right. Uh, but I did have issues with just the technology used in the movie because it was just some of it was just entirely too far fetched for me to, to really buy into. Yeah, sure. I mean, because especially with when they used the little pod cameras and yeah the ping pong cams yes yeah. that, <laughs> I, I was having a really hard time buying yeah, into I that mean, there's a level of um like maybe verisimilitude to deal with with it but beyond that like i think conceptually it, it worked more than i thought it was going to for sure yeah and there was a there was a short film that came out a couple years ago that 
was entirely on a computer and it was about uh, a couple breaking up and it was all done from a computer just like that. And, you know, that worked too, but it was a short film. So I was right. kind of questioning it's not how to sustain a feature. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it was, it was interesting and it's something that I would expect from that director. He's always coming up with some interesting ideas. So. Well, I think like for me, and, you know, I don't know how you feel. Again, there's like a couple levels of how you can view these different movies. But, you know, whether or not something is 100% successful in ed- execution um, is one thing. But I just generally, I think, appreciate when people can think outside of the box and push the boundaries of what we're used to seeing. Um, and that's that's what like, gets me excited about a filmmaker, like as a filmmaker, is just seeing when people... And that I think you can do that in indie film a lot more than you can within the studio system. You can explore and really try different things, even if they don't necessarily succeed. You're pushing the boundaries where, you know, the next movie, maybe it's going to get there in a way that totally changed cinema. You know what I mean? So I think that like with something with open windows, whether or not it was fully successful in execution, um, that's completely subjective. But um the idea that he was able to push that boundary a little bit further, I really admire. Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of thinking outside the box and bringing new material in, I want to talk about both of your guys' movies, Honeymoon Starry, Starry Eyes. Uh, we'll start uh, with yours, Lee, Honeymoon. Uh, so this is kind of... Um, well, I'll just let you describe what it is because you can probably do it better than I can. There should clearly be a mashup. A, a starry honeymoon eyes. There you go. <laughs> um, well, my film basically explores a couple that's on their honeymoon, um, and an outside force affects that early on, and the rest of the movie kind of explores how their relationship disintegrates and falls apart. Now, there's a there's a particular scene that happens near the end. I'm not going to give anything away, but. Mm-hmm. The, the audience reaction is is always in, <laughs> incredibly vocal during that yeah. scene. Do you just love that when that happens? Well, it, it was very, I don't know, which night did you see it? Do you know? Um, oh, you said last night. Yeah, it was the last night. So yep. That one was pretty loud, and the first night was really crazy, too. The second night was as well, but the first and third nights were really intense. Um, yeah, I love it. I mean, you know, you're when you're making a movie, you're so close to the process. Um, you've seen everything a million times and watching it with an audience and seeing how they experience things, it's kind of jolts you into being outside of yourself and seeing things for the first time again. And I, it's great. I mean, I think that I couldn't have asked for a better reaction. Now, Travis, your your film, Starry Eyes, also goes, it, it involves a, a woman going through a transformation. It It could be considered a body horror movie, I guess. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, your film. Starry Eyes follows a um, aspiring actress named Sarah Walker, who's in Hollywood working a uh, job she hates, surrounded by friends she doesn't really like, uh, waiting for her big break to come. And when it does come, it comes with a heavy price. <laughs> so she, um, <clears throat> not to spoil it too much, but basically meets up with a um, a production company that offers her a role in their new and uh, in order to get that role they make some demands of her and then the movie is sort of about um, her process of of, uh, deciding whether or not she's going to do that and and the consequences she pays for that decision. 
Now, with your film, there were there were some significant uh, gasps and screams in the audience as well, for for sort of the same reasons. There's some serious, uh, seriously graphic, uh, really uncomfortable things happening to the main character. Uh, what was your reaction when when the crowd was just you know gasping over this? It's I mean not to sound like a narcissist, <laughs> but you're you feel great you know it's mm-hmm. like a like a guitarist like nailing a guitar solo and like the crowd erupting i mean that's what you're doing it for you're trying to have people feel something you're trying to evoke something in people and when you're in a theater after however long a year two years of of working on something to get a reaction when you're in the theater and people actually react and it's the what you want you you feel pretty good i mean that's that's it that's the whole that's the whole end goal um and uh, just to just to explain the body horror element, um, uh, Dennis and Kevin, the, the writer directors, I mean, sort of where they came up with this idea is they had wanted to make a a monster movie or, or a vampire movie at one point, and realized they wanted to do something a little more original. So the idea of doing an actress and doing a body horror movie where the actress's body starts transforming, it all seemed to sort of um, thematically uh, work together. Uh, so that's where they that's where they came up with this idea. So the lead character over the movie, her body uh, starts going through some pretty horrific shit. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Um, I also want to go back to the uh, Lee mentioned the the special effects, the makeup effects in your film, and uh, I think both films had really great makeup effects, um, practical effects, if I'm not mistaken, for the most yep. part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. I mean, you can't beat practical effects, especially in like a body horror type movie like that, where the someone's body is actually going through some sort of transformation because it makes it look all the more real and horrific and cringeworthy. Yeah, I mean, for us, for Honeymoon, it's, um, I really just wanted it to feel as biological and tangible as it could. Um, and I think that when you start, I mean, besides the fact that I think we're all working in a budget level where like great, amazing CG is not going to be possible. Um, I think that CG ends up feeling flat often, whereas you you can actually like sense the texture of practical effects as an audience member in a way that you don't um, when it's got that more like shiny CG feel. Um, and so my makeup artist um, was this awesome guy named Christopher Nelson, who. Um, who used to work for KB. I don't know if he still does. And he also works on American Horror Story. He's an actor. He played the groom in Kill Bill Volume 2. Mm. And um, and he's just, I mean, he did Species. He's been in the business for years and years. And we kind of, um, in, in my like, prep for the movie, I looked a lot at the effects in Alien. They used a lot of um, cow parts <laughs> <laughs> and like practical guts of animals, which we're not allowed to do anymore. But that was kind of the jumping off point. So, oh, okay. Uh, well, both both films are excellent. Now, uh, are they are they both? I'm assuming they're going to be playing some more festivals. Yeah, Honeymoon is going to be playing at Tribeca at the end of April, so that's our next stop. And what's in store for Starry Eyes? Uh, we're in Boston at Boston Underground at the end of the month, March 29th, uh, with more engagements to be announced soon after. Great. Uh, any closing thoughts on South by Southwest 2014 for you guys? Um, I gl- mean, just that it was amazing. It was my first time at a festival period. This was my first movie, and it, I just can't imagine 
a better place to be, better audiences, programmers, or anything. So, yep. Great. I think for me this year, um, and I don't know if I don't know why, but this year more more than any other year, it became uh, evident that. The movies are one thing, but the most important thing I, I take away from that festival are, are meeting people, other filmmakers, actors, musicians, uh, and sort of the friendships that, that come out of that festival. I think it's uh, it's like a, a, the friendliest town. The programmers do a great job of just inviting cool people there. So you, you just meet people like Lee and come away and just feel like you, you know, you're, you're rich in friends. So. That, yeah, that was awesome. I couldn't agree more. And and always, uh, anytime we go to South by, we always talk about the the volunteers and pushing Ryan around is always uh, can be difficult. And, but the volunteers make everything so much easier and better for us. And everybody's just so accommodating. So it is. It's a great town and it's a great festival. And I I always love going there and talking with people and meeting new people and it's it's just great so agreed <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much guys i think uh that'll wrap it up best of luck with both your films and uh, hopefully we can speak again well thank you so much thanks for having me on thanks again to travis and lee be sure to check out starry eyes and honeymoon as soon as you get a chance for all the latest film news and reviews visit us at filmpulse.net Send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam, and we will see you on Monday. Anyone, anyone.